My name is Remy, and I'm a podcast aficionado, and I would never listen to I Doubt It with fucking Dollar More. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 534 by Dotto with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and I'm joined today by the lovely, the talented, and the always scholarly, Brittany Page. So, you're on a social media break still. I'm. Well, oh no, it's officially done. I just haven't oh. come back. Oh, okay. Well, I don't think you need to like... <laughs> I mean, you announced that you were on one. I don't feel like you need to come back and say, all well, right, everybody, I announced that I was taking a break. Yeah, the, My break is now yeah, over, yeah, yeah. and I am back online. The re- the reason I even said why I'm leaving, that, that I'm leaving, because mm-hmm. um, you have to say why if you're announcing that. Yeah. You know, there, there's got to be a why if there's a that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I announced that I was leaving. I, everybody knows on the show, if you listen to 533, you know I was... Uh, not in a great place. So I fucking said, I'm going to fucking take a couple days. Mm-hmm. And the reason I said that I'm leaving is because um, I get messaged. I get lots of activity. Mm-hmm. And usually there's some like a like or a love or a haha or a, you know, whatever the fuck. There's a reaction, even if it's on a tw- tweet or something. Yep. Why do you have the look on your face? <laughs> I don't have a look on my face. A little bit of a look. No. Anyway... And I don't want, I feel weird about leaving people hanging. Uh huh. So I, this is why if you message or, or whatever mm-hmm. over the course of the next couple of days and I'm not there, it's because I'm taking a sabbatical, a very brief sabbatical. You don't have to explain yourself. <sighs> That's what we do here. What are you talking about? Okay. All right. <laughs> I understand. Um, but you you were taking a social media break, which meant taking a break from like reading the news feed, not necessarily a break from looking at it all together. Yeah, that's right. You, you We talked about it. And you're like, so you're really you're just you're not going to be on Twitter. And I said, uh, I said, eh, I'll just be out of the news feed. Out of, but, but I don't mind looking at my mentions because that's almost always pretty largely positive. But unfortunately, that was not the case. Well, that's yeah, that's true. And that was not the case. Well, it's not it's not a hundred percent, but it's certainly for the most part, it's people sharing and mentioning me a video mm-hmm. or reaching out. Hey, I saw this. Da 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 da. Good job. Mm-hmm. After I I said I was leaving, it was on Twitter, and and then I shared the tweet, a picture of the tweet on Facebook, and we're, it's way too much explanation. But I did get there was a dick hole. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's when I like eh, all all Twitter just ceased because I I'm not going to be you know yeah it well, defeats the purpose of being detached if you're reading yourself being harangued yes well we also want to say we're going to read this one and it's not to whine 
um, it's not to complain. I don't. I might. Be, I might complain. I might whine. Well, I don't even I, know what you're saying. But. Well, no, you know this tweet because we agreed to talk yeah, about yeah, it on but the I show. Don't know what exactly you're saying right now? The, the why we're talking about it is not to whine about oh, the yeah. hatred that you receive yeah, because it's something sure. that you're used to. But we thought that this was actually a particularly useful tweet to read, even though it is hateful, because it highlights something that we like to talk about on the show, which is, you know, um, masculinity and what that should look like and um, gender roles and things like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, societal messaging surrounding the way that people are, are supposed to present themselves and behave and because for those of you who maybe didn't listen to 533 and maybe who have never listened to the show i'm a crier Mm -hmm. i am not ashamed of that Uh if i feel the spirit move me i cry in public it doesn't happen often but it has happened Mm -hmm. and i don't i don't feel ashamed of that Mm -hmm. and on episode 533 uh, there was a lot of tears because we just suffered uh, um, two separate massive massacres in a 13-hour period. And then if you go back even just f- about a week before that, we had the Gilroy Garlic Festival and another one. And I'm heartbroken. Mm-hmm. And I expressed that. I I cried on the last show. Yeah, and so then you got this tweet. Um, I watched your show on YouTube. <laughs> I can't do it. You think that's the voice? Yeah. <laughs> and was impressed, but what the fuck? I just listened to your podcast, and Jesus, what the fuck? Control your emotions and love of sandwiches. Your tears are fake as hell. Even co-host has more balls and keeps her emotions in check. Get a grip. Yeah, control my emotions. I don't. First of all, I don't even know what the fuck that means. Mm-hmm. Control your emotions. Control them. Yeah. Like, what is, I I expressed emotion. That's not out of control. I certainly wasn't out of control. Mm-hmm. This person is what one might refer to as a fucking douche. Well, I also think they're a troll. Like they recently created yeah. this account. Douche and chill. Who knows if they're actually a listener? But I think it's. I think that this mentality for sure still exists. I think absolutely. It, I think it's starting to go away a bit as conversations about um, masculinity, right, occur. Yeah, the farther we get away from like the 1950s, where. You had to be the strong, silent type, and yeah. boys didn't cry, and yeah. you don't be a girl hitting the kid upside the head, that kind of stuff. Eh, we're getting away from that. Right. And as we start to understand how harmful those ideas are, and how they uh, put men in a position to force their feelings down, their very natural feelings, very natural to cry. Everybody cries. Yeah. It's totally fine. In fact, we should probably all cry more. Yes, it's very healthy. Um, but like I like I said, we wanted to talk about this because, well, one, I'm very interested in this topic. It's something that I would talk about a lot when I would like give writing assignments about these issues to my the kids that I would tutor oh, when I yeah. was tutoring, right. and it actually comes up a lot in therapy groups as well um, with clients or patients because 
people are affected by this stuff, right? The messages that we receive from society about the way that men and women should present themselves, the way that you're supposed to behave. And if you step outside of those norms, you are looked down upon and you are told to get control of yourself and all of these just ridiculous things, you know? Um, Let me say, I feel zero shame for having cried. Good. Yeah. I, you, if you feel emotional about something the way I did and you don't cry, I mean, if you feel the need, if you feel the urge, if it comes on you and you, if you just press that down, you stuff that down into, into that little quiet place inside you. Oh, I can't, that can't be public. I need to, that's, that doesn't seem healthy to me. What seems healthy is to express the emotions that you're feeling as long as they're not damaging someone else on the outside of you. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm I'm not uh we are we're talking about it cuz I think it's interesting and you for sure have a have a uh, an interest in this. Mhm. I would say though that the audience gets it for the most part yeah. and has has been supportive of it, but I think it's useful to not only um have you do your thing you know and and have emotions which by the way if you're just joining us not fake (laughs) yes absolutely um but also to have conversations about it because we we have heard from men over the years um that it has been helpful to them to hear you um cry because you don't often see that from men yeah and i think it is based on what we've heard, the feedback that we've heard, helpful. Especially men with traditionally masculine backgrounds. Yes. Marine Corps, you know, a big guy, all that bullshit. Yeah. Which is meaningless to the conversation, but traditionally it's not mean- it hasn't been meaningless. Right. So speaking of the audience, um, th- this episode is really largely going to be about listener communication. If we have a little time at the end, there's a couple topics I want to uh, bring up. But um, last episode started with with a lot of venting about a particular call from a gentleman named Jim in Houston. And um, I may have, I was really trying to be restrained because in my heart and in my head, I was very angry at Jim. Um. But anyway, let me say this. We got dozens, literally dozens of voicemails and emails. Dozens um, of people defending the show, defending Brittany and defending me, and lashing out at Jim. And I think that's in support of of, of my position that I was angry. Um, but the very first the very first voicemail we got that evening was from Jim, um, and this is it. Jesse and Brittany, it's Jim in Houston. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Um, problem with the tone, I apologize. Uh, and I am one of those people who tune in with bated breath, waiting to hear Jesse voice the rage in my head about any given situation, but especially this one. So I apologize if I called in too quick and express dissatisfaction. Brittany, you have exactly the mindset I was under. I really needed to hear what your reaction was to the weekend, and I couldn't wait for today. I really thought that that 
episode would have been terrorist, domestic terrorist focused. So I apologize, Jesse. That was not my intention. Um, Tone, I'll work on it because you guys are my heroes. And, um, but Brittany, yeah, I really, I really did need, I needed to hear, I needed to hear what you guys have to say. And Jesse, you do, um, you do voice the rage in my head. So thank you very much and please forgive me. Um, and as far as the Reagan thing goes, yeah, <laughs> sorry about the tone, but I'm glad you, uh, saw Reagan for who he is. Anyway, you guys, Brittany, you are the best part. You know exactly where my head's at, and I apologize, Jesse. You'll have a good day. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. I love this outcome because um, this doesn't happen a lot. That's right. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, So it was really nice to get this call, and I will say if we play your call on the show today and you notice that um, like parts of it are missing – it's because we edited the parts out where Jim was <laughs> uh, taken to task. Yes, <laughs> and and listen, we we do appreciate that, like you said, but we also understand that these miscommunications happen, right? Yeah. Um, it's bound to happen. These are very intense and important topics, and emotions are very intense right now. So we, we understand that. And I'm not going to speak for you, but I will say that I do forgive Jim. <laughs> yeah, I, I com- absolutely accept his apology. And, and let me also say, I, I don't think you're done. Sorry. No, I am. Uh, let me also say that uh, I'm sorry, Jim. Mm-hmm. Certainly it needs to go back the other way because I was a lot of what I was feeling. And I even made a decision in my mind. I need to be careful and not let all the shit that I'm feeling just roll right downhill onto Jim. Mm-hmm. I don't think I did that great a job of it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's awesome. Yeah, I, that's that's a that's a reasonable um, meeting of the minds and coming together. Absolutely, and, and it's because of that that if you called in and the vast majority of your call was in support of us and against Jim, we're not playing it. We listened to them all, and there was lots of them. We're not going to read them. We're not going to play them because he was the first to call, and you know he, he set the record straight. So, um, with that, thank you, Jim. We appreciate you. Thank you for your listenership, and we're going to move on to the rest of the calls. Hi, guys. This is Matt in Denver. Uh, I was just listening to episode five thirty three. Part of why I listen to you guys and why I'm sure a lot of people listen to you guys isn't just the political commentary. I'm sure you've seen on the Facebook pages and everybody has seen how people will comment that this podcast keeps them sane. And not just because you talk about politics, it's because you're relating with people. And sometimes it's hard to see for some people that just because you have Similar interests doesn't mean you have similar politics and vice versa. So for some people, it is comfort. It is comfort to talk about sandwiches, even if there's a shooting going on, because especially listening to this podcast, you know if you're going to talk about sandwiches, the very next thing you're going to talk about is the shit going on. Jesse, we've had episodes where you talk about something lighthearted in the beginning, and somewhere in the middle in the end, you're screaming and then crying. 
That's not super emotional. That's not unrelatable. That's very relatable for most people because we all have that in our daily lives. We can't just stop life, freeze the world, and think about the one horrible thing until everybody else is okay with it and then move on. It's, um, <laughs> forgive stealing from Fox News, but it's fair and balanced. Not just fair and balanced politically talking about both sides, but fair and balanced with life, talking about politics, talking about people, talking about the regular things we do in life. Um, I know I'm probably rambling, but uh, it's just my two cents. And I really love you guys. I love what you do. And just keep doing everything like you're doing it. Screw people like that. And Brittany's the best part. Bye. So maybe Brittany's the best part. Bye. So maybe you didn't edit all I left of the that stuff la- out. Yeah, I all missed right. that last part. Yeah. But, but there was there was a bunch in the front yeah. that did get taken. But out. everyone will forgive Jim as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I'm sure I'm yes. sure Matt in Denver is uh like oh <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, we we appreciate that call too. That was a very beautiful. Call. Yeah, it summed up the, re- the it's the it's the one that really didn't wasn't um, all about a, a vitriol for the other listeners. So, uh, listen, uh, it, it is what we strive to do here, and it's a balance. It's it's news. It's good news. It's bad news. It's just life that we want to present unvarnished, but also, you know. With, with some, uh, we want to put a smile on your face. And whether we leave you happy, we want you at happy at some point during the show. We want to we want to make you laugh and we want to make you smarter. We want to inform you and we want to have a conversation, a larger conversation about big topics in our world. And we hope we're doing that. So thank you, Matt. We, we appreciate the sentiment very much. Um, and then a call specifically really about our reactions and my crying and Brittany's, um, uh, her reactions as well. Hello there, Jesse, Brittany and Popeye, John calling from Northern Idaho. I know you love that. A couple thoughts regarding the most recent show, uh, where you, you really dove into the shootings in not Toledo, but Dayton, Ohio, and in El Paso, Texas. A couple things. First of all, I was impressed by the fact that, Jesse, you allowed yourself to be vulnerable, actually to shed some tears uh, on the show. That That was impressive. Equally impressive was, Brittany, that even though you obviously wanted to, well, that's too strong, uh, though you obviously could have, you you held back from that. Now, this should obviously go without saying, but obviously in today's age and culture, I'll say it anyway, I appreciate the show of masculinity. Jesse, being a true man doesn't mean to hide your feelings doesn't mean to show everybody how tough you are by having a big, bad, tough guy attitude in the face of tragedy. By showing vulnerability, that really spoke to me. It reminded me about what true masculinity is. And in like fashion, Brittany, uh, again, I, I I know you're not this way. It's not the hysterical female drop at the 
or rather cry at the drop of a hanky. I know it's not that way, but yet you held yourself separate from the gender stereotypes. I appreciated that. Secondly, regarding the sandwiches, uh, French dip obviously is superior to all the others. Um, I'm pretty sure that's in the Bible. You might want to check me on that. But the listeners who are feeling upset over the over the notion that uh, such frivolities would be discussed in the midst of national tragedy, I would just like to say that tragedy, that that political tomfoolery, uh, the, the general foolishness of our age should not define who and what we are as people. It's these little things that help us to connect with each other, and it's a shame that they couldn't get past that or see that. I, I rather suspect there was a little bit of a little bit of the troll in that one, but putting that to the side, it's these little things that allow us to be human. If we become monomaniacs and all we see, all we care about, all we can talk about are the problems without ever stopping to recognize our common commonalities as human beings, then then what the heck are we even doing? I, for one, I don't want to be that person. And I appreciate the fact that you two obviously don't either. Anyway, that's my thoughts. Uh, obviously, I love the show and I appreciate all that you do. Thanks. Bye. Well, thank you very much for that call, John. And um, Northern Idaho. I'd love to know where John from where he hails. Yeah. Um, I, them's my stomping grounds. I also wonder, <laughs> I wonder if John is a recent listener um, because we've talked about our evolution with being comfortable with emotions mm-hmm. um, throughout the show. And of course, I was raised more like, I think, a, a traditional boy yeah. would be raised where um we weren't supposed you might to, get a rap on the head if you cry yeah we weren't supposed to show emotion we i was taught how to fight um that was how you solved problems <laughs> yeah yeah um helmets were for pussies quote unquote um so you know uh i've had to do some unlearning and relearning yeah related to that so i i don't think that I intentionally was not crying on the show. I I just think, you know, it makes me very uncomfortable to cry on the show because I can't talk and cry at the same time. Like, yes. it's one or the other. Either I am crying or I'm talking or I'm going to be making a lot of, like, wet mouth noises. Oh, yeah. Blubbery, blubbery, sniffly. Yeah. A lot of liquid. No one, a lot of moisture. No going one on. wants to hear a moisture <laughs> mouth into the mic. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's not good for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, John from Northern Idaho. Mm-hmm. You know what I say about Idaho, Brittany? That I, anything south of, of 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 Boise, Boise South, is pretty much just northern northern Nevada, northern Utah. Mm. Idaho starts about a half hour outside of Boise. All right. That's that's what I say. That's what you say. Northern Idaho is <laughs> Idaho. Mm-hmm. Anyway. That's what you say. So thank you, John. We appreciate it very much. We hope uh, if you are a new listener to the show, you'll stick around and uh, 
better better us with your calls with your perspective yes but also continue to watch us evolve (laughs) that is right it's always an evolution yes all right uh moving on the, the rest of the calls are for the most part about the shooting and the reactions people had after having listened uh we've got several voicemails but we've also got some emails that i want to get to so let's, uh, what do you think? Start start there. Are you prepared anyway? I am prepared. All right. Dear Jesse and Brittany, it's been a long time since I've written or called in. I'm listening to episode 533 right now. To be honest, I heard only the basics on both shootings and couldn't even tell you the day it happened. You talked about taking a social media break, being willfully ignorant and stupid, and whether or not that's better than being in the know. One example of many, I knew when the debates were, but didn't watch either one of them. I don't really watch TV and have wanted nothing to do with Facebook since the beginning of July. On June 9th, my husband and I found out we were expecting baby number two after two miscarriages. My first prenatal appointment was on July 3rd. That appointment was followed a week later by a DNC. I had an empty sack, no baby. I crawled into a hole that included no news, no Facebook, no wanting to talk, and questioning my sanity. I do think being willfully ignorant sucks, but sometimes it's necessary. Little by little, podcasts came back. I've missed a bunch, but little by little, I'm listening again. For right now, you two are my news. You are my Facebook. In the process of wading back in and rejoining society, I'm thankful for not only the information I get from you, but for Popeye, for sandwiches, for all the times you've made me laugh, and Jesse's tears following the deaths of innocents. Whether the caller meant to be a jerk with not finding sandwiches filling enough, here's another perspective. I'm getting exactly what I need from you. Please don't stop doing what you're doing exactly the way you're doing it. Keep the light and the dark, the laughter and the tears, even the swearing and name calling. You're consistent. You're honest. You're the friends I'll likely never meet, but still depend on. You're both the best part. Much love. A. Wow. Thank you very much for sharing. Um, <laughs> getting emotional again. We we feel very, it's not a word I toss around or, or use flippantly, but we feel very blessed. We feel very lucky to be in the position we're in. We, we've had multiple people. We had one individual write in with, with, a, with a very emotional story about how we had helped them um, coming out of the military and PTSD and they had suicidal thoughts and um, it was unbelievably moving. And I'm, I'm very proud and emotional about having been there for them at the time and it seems that person has moved on now, and I don't, they don't seem like as much a fan with interactions on social media. And that's you know that's okay for me. I, you know, I, if we served a role that was positive at one point, uh, that that is uh, something I'll carry with me forever as a point of pride and thanks. Mm-hmm. And um, to the anonymous, to a the 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 the, the emailer. I'm, it makes me feel very special, very good, very lucky, blessed, whatever word you want to use to serve any role that's positive in your life, uh, even if it's just delivering news when you want to be more detached from the horror that it can be sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I read that when I was at work the day after we had recorded the show, and I had to kind of just sit at my desk for a minute and just take it in. 
Um, yeah. it, it was very moving. And, and those are the kinds of messages that really keep us going, you know. Um, and I don't want it to, to seem like we are always getting down about comments that we receive. Because really, we, we're not. You know, most of the time, it's just neutral. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I receive enough negative that if I was to be crawling in a hole every time I got a bad comment... Yeah. I would never emerge from the fucking hole. But it's very, <laughs> it's very nice when we receive the love. Because yeah, for sure. Then we know it's out there, and <laughs> it, it helps us keep yeah, going. It buoys our spirits. Absolutely. I mean, look who who doesn't like to be t- talked well of? Yeah, and felt well of. Yes. So yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you very much. L- let's uh, let's get to another email, and then uh, I want to go to a voicemail. This is from Aaron. Magas will never be happy, despite getting everything they wanted. They are malcontents. They will never be satisfied because without an enemy on which to place blame, they become exposed by their failures. So they invent enemies. This is what Trump does for them. He validates, normalizes, and makes acceptable the worst of their biases. The worst of which is our human tendency to otherize. We're tribal and Trump is a skilled chieftain. I've been angry this week at the right's ability to compartmentalize. They so easily ignore Trump's rhetoric. One meme suggested that Obama was equally as culpable in matters of gun violence, as is Trump, because the number of mass shootings was similar. Yeah. 100% no. Mr. Obama's words were inclusive and uplifting, only condemning the worst factions of our society. My fear is that too many Americans are willing to accept Trump's doublespeak. Are there enough of us willing to shed our human nature to reject the other? Fingers crossed. Aaron from the Panhandle. Listen, uh, one, thank you for the, the email, Aaron. Um, I am, overall, I'm optimistic. I think the main foe that we fight relative to people waking up to Donald Trump's doublespeak, as you say so aptly, is Fox News. Because if you're watching any other news source or reading any other normal news source... You're seeing how much of a a manipulative liar he is. You're seeing that after Parkland, he made the exact same proclamations and promises relative to policy, relative to, to background checks, that he's making right now. Nothing has changed. Let's not hold our breath. The proof is in the pudding. You can promise all you want, but if you don't fucking deliver... Those promises are just that. Words. Meaningless. But I, I share your frustrations, Aaron. It, it <laughs> These are uh, very frustrating times. But I would say this. Obama had a Democratic Congress for, you know, a decent portion. For sure his first two years. And uh, we don't have universal background checks. So this isn't just a Republican problem. It's certainly more a Republican problem than it is a Democrat problem as far as its its origins. But Democrats are not blameless in this. They're just as afraid as the fucking NRA, or at least they used to be, than they are now. So Come on, Amy McGrath. Yes, come on, just, Amy. Just add that in. Former Marine. <laughs> um, so we also have another message here, and this is from Anonymous. All right. Hello, Jesse and Brittany. I would like this message to remain anonymous as I'm sullen to admit my first time hearing of the Dayton and El Paso shootings was on your show. 
For my own personal reasons, I have been focused on distractions more than information as of late. But my mental health aside, I missed tragedy falling upon people in my country. And after learning of this tragedy and hearing you two speak on it, I was inspired to express myself in the way of poetry. I don't know that it will do anything for anyone experiencing grief over this horrible occurrence, but I wanted to share it with you in hopes to alleviate my guilt. I hope to seek out future opportunities to show my support, my empathy, and compassion for the issue at hand. You're both an inspiration to everyone on the right side of history, and I'm so glad to be a part of your audience. So I'll start the poem now. I want to say that I am not like an expert in reading poetry, so I really hope that I don't mess this up. I'm not even a novice at reading poetry, so you're <laughs> you're ahead of me. Well, I just mean I I'm I might not read it in the way that the author intended. Oh, yeah. And forgive me for that if that if that happens. Yeah. So this is called Blind by Anonymous. I sat in the darkness and closed my eyes while the world turned around me. I sought out a friend but only heard cries. For while I looked away, people had died. Their tears fell into my lap. As I was caught unaware, I their tears fell into my lap as I was caught unaware. I didn't mean to be blind as this tragedy spread everywhere. I was caught in my own fog, for that I cannot apologize. But for those who are not caught in this grief, I do empathize. When the streets are littered with signs of the lost, how can we pretend not to see? When the motivations are clear, we cannot call everyone free. Freedom is a voice. It is the agency to live, to love, to make mistakes. A price is something you consent to pay. No one agreed to pay with their lives on that day. To those who would sweep the ashes of the dead away as dirt. To those who would minimize the fallen to secure their rest at night. To those who would ignore the hurt. Why do you want to refuse the call to your humanity? Why do you want to weigh and measure lives? Don't be like me. Turn to your victims, look them in the face, and open your eyes. Yeah. Wow. I wish I had that kind of ability. Uh, I think that would be cathartic. Yeah. This is the ability I have, and this is cathartic. Mm-hmm. But it's got to be uh, on scale. It's a, I think it's an equal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for sharing that. I, that. I appreciate it very much. It's beautiful. Um, let's go to a, uh, voicemail. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, this is Mindy from Vernal, Utah, and I just wanted to give my two cents about, uh, the shooting and guns and the issues that arise from the Republican talking points. I am surrounded by amosexuals, as we like to call them here. And uh, I have heard so many disgusting justifications for the need for these military-grade weapons as of late. And, you know, the irony is (laughs) I keep hearing from Republicans, especially my boss, that, uh, you know, only madmen do these shootings, right? It takes a madman to do this. What we need is better mental health care, which I find ironic because they, you know, don't want to fund medical care for people and I have freaking Cadillac insurance and I can't afford mental health care but I digress and yet just last week 
I was talking to my boss about the issue at the border and what we should do at the border and how disgusting it is that we are, you know, putting children in, in jail, essentially. And I asked him, you know, what, how do you feel about this? And he said, how do I feel? Shoot them. I feel like if they wow. come to the border, just put a fucking bolt in all their heads. That'll teach them. So fucking explain to me how it takes a madman with a gun to do this. And yet your average everyday citizen is A-O-fucking-K with putting bullets in the heads of children because they're brown. These, uh, these Republicans that I'm surrounded by are hypocrites. Do not tell me that it takes a madman with a gun. It takes an asshole with a gun. And at this point, I think it takes an asshole to support these types of ideologies. And I'm sick of letting assholes run the conversation and set our laws. I'm sick of it. Anyways, that's just my two cents. And also, thank you for the sandwich episode. Uh, it was much needed. And uh, you now have made a fan out of my husband. So, thank you. You, uh, I love you both, and I'm truly grateful for both of you. And you're both the best part, but Brittany, you'll be my girl crush for life. Toodles. Um, this really highlights something. This highlights that those two thoughts are incongruent. That only a maniac would train his weapon on innocent people shopping in a Walmart. However, your average everyday guy who happens to be in a position of authority in a business and be a boss, fucking shoot him. He's echoing. He's repeating the same philosophies as an avowed white supremacist murderous, white nationalist terrorist. He's echoing that. So either he's admitting to being a madman or he's endorsing the manifesto of a domestic terrorist. I mean, I don't see any other way than those two options. Yeah, I... I don't know why this has like consistently been the argument from idiots, but ever since I was a teenager, this is the kind of stuff that I would hear. I mean, from other teenagers, I would hear this. It's right. shocking that like adults are saying these kinds yeah, of well, things. Yeah, well, teenagers who can, don't continue to learn and grow grow up to be adults, and then That's they're true. the same fucking <laughs> idiots they were in high school. That's absolutely true. Um, but I remember I learned that from you. Yeah, Not that that's you, but you point out people that. You know, they haven't read a book. And yeah, they, that's that's your thing. Is they stopped. They stopped learning. Yeah, they probably didn't even read books in high school. They stopped in like fucking junior high. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. Well, and I was actually thinking about this on the drive home because why wouldn't I? Um, <laughs> you I, are on the four hundred five. Yeah. You, it's the six hundred five to the four hundred five to the fifty five. Yeah. Sturt. Alasianaga. What a what are you doing here, Sturt? Uh, <laughs> Rosecrans. <laughs> Um, so no, I was really thinking about this though, because of the environment from which I came and how weird it is sometimes to think about 
where I've ended up, you know? Yeah, sure. <laughs> like The it's, odds it, were not in your favor. Like, it's even weird for me, you know? And there's still parts of me that are like, your little white trash Britney Page, you know? And sure. I still carry that with me because that was so much a part of who I was. Um, but I was thinking about how I spend so much time reading the news and like, I have like favorite columnists in the New Yorker, <laughs> you know, like, who- well, I, I don't know why you're doing the little shimmy dance, like making fun of it. That's, that's an awesome thing. No, I know, but it's, it's strange. It's strange that that has happened. It's like you're one of your trolls making fun of you right now. You're, it's like the Britney, tra- the trashy Britney page. Yeah. Just like, it, it, like floated above yourself in the room and made fun of you, yeah, the real yeah, yeah. Britney page. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's, um, you shouldn't feel out like that. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, but I wish that many of Adam the- Serwer, by the way, is that it? Well, he's in the Atlantic. Atlantic. Yeah. Oh, okay. Get it right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but this is how I wish a lot of the people I went to high school, um, this is what I wish that they were doing with their time. This is what I wish that they um, did. The people who, when I was in government class, which, by the way, I didn't care about and, like, was not paying attention, but yeah. I would still argue um from a position of empathy for marginalized populations like the homeless, for example. And I remember one of my classmates saying that we should just send all homeless people to an island and blow it up. Yeah, that fucking moron probably still believes some flavor of that idea. He does. I know for a fact he does. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just... it's And it, that guy is also a 100% a Trump voter. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's just sad that people still have these arguments and that they also try to be <laughs> like mixing it up as though they have anything valid to bring to a conversation. Yeah, like, yeah. just be quiet. You know, yeah. you're, you're not bringing anything of value. You're not saying anything coherent. You're not an intelligent person. But yeah, listen, we live in modernity. The solution to problems is not just put a fucking bullet in their head. One, it's contrary to the rule of law. It's contrary to the Constitution that they seem fucking asswipes claim to revere so much. And I'm sure that person loves Jesus as well. Oh, yeah. And here's the thing. You know, we can talk about how, opin- you know, everyone has their own opinion. Uh, some opinions are just not worth hearing. That's right. You They're know? not worth debating. Yeah, it's just... That's not an opinion worth debating. Yeah, your your opinion is really meaningless. I mean, no one cares. So you're yeah. just a hateful person. That's really sad. It would be nice if you weren't like that. Unfortunately, it would take a lot of time to make you not like that. So that's pretty time consuming. And so it's it's kind of a, 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 a benefit reward kind of a ratio. Yeah, it's what we've been talking about this whole time. The balance of our own mental health versus trying to remain in the know, trying to make a difference, trying to participate in progress and moving things forward. But again, going back to your mental health, yeah, <laughs> it's like sure. this tug of war that you're in where you you want to engage, you want to try to make a difference, but then you have to look at certain people and think, is this worth my time? Yeah. Well, listen, on one of the uh, anonymous emails, they said that it was all, I took it as almost like, yeah, I did that. I, I checked out. We weren't, we weren't uh, criticizing people who check out for a period of time. No, 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 no. 
We were saying, Brittany was expressing something about people she knows who their entire life is checked out. Yes. They've never been someone who plugged in. Yeah. Who understood. Mm -hmm. Who stayed in step with what the news was. Yeah. Taking a little break for whatever hiatus you need, that is understandable. That is That is justifiable. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about people who just, they don't give a fuck. They never have. And that's, that to me is shameful. Yeah. Anyway, Mindy, thank you very much for sharing. Absolutely. Thank you for your vulnerability. Know that you have, at least in this community of this audience, you have like-minded people who are with you in spirit. And uh, if you're not already, uh, you know, I jump into that Dollamore listener group. Mm Mm-hmm. The Dalamo, I think that's what it's called on Facebook. Yeah. It's, it's a listener run thing. It's not a me and Britney thing. Yeah. Um, jump in there. There's there's a lot of support in there. Share your beautiful heart with everybody. Yeah, that is a, that is a room or whatever the fuck they call it. It's a group. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, that is open to supporting you. Yes. And loving you. Yes. And uh, we we advocate that. Yes. So thank you very much. All right. Next call. Hi Jesse. Hi Brittany. My name is Betty, and I am calling. Um, I'm from Southwest Texas. I'm calling about the shootings that we experienced uh, this past week. You know, I'm a first-generation American from a Mexican American, a Mexican family. Um, you know, I, I, this one, like Jesse. I'm not saying just this one, but all of them have really hit me. Just this one has kind of awakened me to the fact that the fact that I'm Mexican, American, in this country, puts my life at risk, and I had never really given that a lot of thought. I always felt safe, but in seeing that happen in El Paso, where we spent plenty of our summers uh, visiting family, um, pretty safe city, um, I just, it, it this one really hurt. It's scary. It's a scary time to be me. It's a scary time for my family. Um, and I, I think, um, it's just one of those things that you have to wonder what is it going to take for there to be some kind of an action. Um, I keep hearing people say, you know, people die in car accidents, people die in plane crashes, and diseases take people out. Yes, that's true, but we do things to prevent all of those deaths. Every day we are working on doing something to prevent deaths. This is the one thing that can be prevented. I'm not saying altogether, but certainly mass shootings can be prevented, and we are just all we can do is just talk about it and feel the pain and then feel like your hands are simply tied behind your back because nobody seems to be doing anything really. A gun really has more value in this country, certainly, if you are somebody that looks like me. I am a mother. I'm a nurse. Um, I pride myself in doing everything I can to conserve life. But at the same time, it's like I can do my part, my little part in this country, but really who is speaking for me, for my brown children, for my brown mother and father, for my brown sisters and brothers, nieces and nephews, friends. I think it's 
it's really going to take the country to rise up and do something because we are me and my community we're we're just we're just invisible we're just invisible i was born this color i think that was a cut off of the 3 minutes um let me say this betty what little space we take up in the world of media Brittany Page and I try to speak for you. And there are many other voices out there. Progressive, Democrat, liberal, humanitarian, who also speak for you. Members in your own in-group who speak for you. You're not alone. You really should take solace in that fact. You're, you're certainly not alone. Listen... Are things tenuous right now? Yes. Are things more dangerous than they should be for you and your people? Yeah, absolutely. Your family. Yeah, that's a bummer. But you're not alone. There are people who are advocating for you actively. Well, and this was this was a heartbreaking call. And um, it's, it's just heartbreaking to hear Betty and hear her pain and... Um, I I I don't think there's anything that anyone can say to make it better. Certainly right? not. Because what we need is actually action and we need to see changes and we need to see progress and improvements. Um, one thing that I do think is beneficial is that the media coverage of the way that migrants have been treated at the border, um, the ICE raids that just happened in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Um, when I go on Twitter, I see predominantly, um, outrage and support on the part of immigrants. Yeah. And I know that part of that is, you know, my curated feed. If I followed Ben Shapiro and Dana Lash and, uh, Tucker Carlson and other, uh, racists and yeah. uh, right-wing radicals, then I'm sure it would be different. Um, but I also look through the replies and I see hatred, certainly. But I also see people battling against that hatred. And I think it is important that the media continues to highlight the horrors that we're seeing and the abuse of children. I mean, you saw this video yesterday of this little girl crying because her father had been taken and she didn't understand what was going on and she didn't know where she was going to go and she didn't know where she was going to end up. And so I think the, the continuous coverage of it, showing people what's actually happening and having people hear stories, right? Yeah. From people that they may know that are personally impacted by this. All of that is going to make a difference. And so I'm glad that Betty called. I'm glad that she opened up and, and shared a little bit of her perspective. Um, that's powerful stuff. Let, let me also say this, uh, Betty. Not like you're not doing enough. Not like you, your, your, your pain is not um, enough. You live in Texas. You live in a state that, look, in another 20 years... 
Texas is not even going to be a question. It's going to be a blue state. I I firmly believe that. In 10 years, you said? 20 years. Oh. But we're on the precipice where 20 years is no time from a, a macro political perspective. We are on the cusp of it right now. And if you were to get involved because two of your senators are terrible, not two of, the two senators you have are terrible. John Cornyn and Ted Cruz. Ugh. John Cornyn's up for re-election right now. It's one of the reasons why Beto should be back in the race, not running for president. And we're not going to get into this in this episode. Mm-hmm. That would be great. But getting on the ground and getting involved at a local level, Betty, would have an impact that I don't think people take into account. It is a big deal because when people who weren't previously super engaged, and I know you said you were engaged, but if you can amp that up just a little bit, it could make a world of difference for a candidate, whether it be congressional at the House of Representatives level, or whether it be the Senate. It's going to take not allowing ourselves to get into a malaise. It's going to take somehow transferring our sadness into rage, into activism. Because we, we live in a society, in a political system that is human, Therefore, imperfect. And it's going to take human interaction to make it better. And if you're, and I'm not talking to Betty here, but just the audience in general, if you're one of those people who thinks, ah, my neighbor will do that. There are people who are motivated and active, who are skilled at that, that, that are, they'll do that. Shit's not going to change. It's going to take every single one of us to do something we've never done before this election cycle. Whether that be giving money, whether that be knocking on doors, whether that be getting out the vote. Do commit to yourself right now, as I say this, to do something more this election cycle than you did last. If last all you did was vote, do something more than that. If last you voted and you knocked on doors, do something more than just that. It doesn't negate what you did before, but it's going to take more activism to make things better. Some exciting news from my end is that I convinced a friend who doesn't vote today to vote. Oh, are they going to vote for Trump? No. (laughs) (laughs) You probably would not be making an announcement. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm actually eager to hear more about that after we turn the mics off. All right. Uh, that is awesome. Well, we have another email to read yes. here. First of all, Betty, thank you very much. Absolutely. We appreciate you pouring out your heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's meaningful, and I'm sure the rest of the audience uh, appreciates it, too. And we're sorry on behalf of Google for cutting you off. Yes. Yes. Um, so this is from Frank. Hey, guys, just wanted to share a couple thoughts. I think the problem we have is that people are unwilling to fight for change. I believe you guys in your audience are in the minority. Most people don't care about gun violence, prejudice, income inequality, unless it somehow affects them or someone they are closely related to. Wish that wasn't the case, but it's just the way I feel after watching Injustice counter by dumb Fox News arguments. 
I listen to their logic and laugh, but then I see people regurgitate it as if it makes sense. Those guys know how to tap into their viewers, enrage, and incite them. Then those voters vote in high numbers, hard to beat them without similar excitement for Democratic candidates. Love you guys. Keep up the great work. That's the way it always is, though, Frank. There's always a... uh a an excitable voter base that makes it happen that's why this last election in 2016 was the quote-unquote blue wave because of the excitement against donald trump that's kind of the way it always is but but i would i will say this that it is uh again if all you did was vote last time now's the time to do what britney page just said she did convince a friend get out there and knock on doors in your neighborhood if you've never had a yard sign, go get a yard sign. Do something extra. Not to keep beating the dead horse. Anyway, Frank, thank you for the email. We appreciate it. And we have one more email. This is from Tom in Barnesville, Pennsylvania. Barnesville, Pennsylvania. Been listening for a while. Enjoy your show. I was a Republican for many years, almost 25. Over the past six years or so, my thinking has been slowly changing. Donald Trump accelerated that, and after his election, I switched parties and consider myself a proud Democrat. My thinking has evolved over this time. Are Tom Tom and I kindred spirits? Is that what's happening here? I think so. I think that might be the case. My thinking has evolved over this time on things like taxes, race issues, and healthcare. I believe I've seen that the GOP has not been speaking for me and not speaking for the best interests of Americans for a long time. This is especially true when it comes to guns. I live in rural Pennsylvania and have been a gun owner since I was old enough to own one. I have been a member of the NRA, proudly displaying my Sportsman for Bush bumper sticker, which I still have plastered to an old file cabinet in my basement where it belongs. I moderated my views over the past decade, being more open to limits for a while, but I really took a harder stance on gun control after Las Vegas. For me, that was the catalyst for taking a long, hard look at gun ownership, especially around the .223 round usually found in the AR-15. Reading accounts from medical doctors about the devastation this round causes, more than any round, has made me believe that something has to be done, especially around assault rifles especially around assault rifles and the .223 round and other high-velocity rounds. These rounds are made to kill. Any bullet can and will kill, but the AR-15 is designed to kill, but also to cause catastrophic damage to the survivor. I want these guns off the streets. I don't want them in civilian hands. This rifle, and especially the .223 variant, are so dangerous no citizen should own them. Full stop. Though I don't own that gun, I do own several firearms and am seriously considering surrendering my weapons. But how do I get rid of them? Any insight into getting these off the streets would be helpful. Tom. So you can surrender your weapons to the police. So if you are curious about how to do that, I would just Google surrender firearms and then your city. When you Google how to surrender, how and where to surrender guns, which is what I Googled, uh, several different cities came up. I don't know why, but Redondo Beach was the first one. And uh, so it has specific rules for whatever city that you're in. But typically it's you just call the police department. You say that you want to surrender your firearm for destruction. That's right. And then they will respond to your home or to your business to collect the gun um, or you can bring it to the police station, but you have to make sure that you can drive the gun there 
which apparently is not the case in some states. Yeah. Uh, what I, I or on some ages or something. Yeah. I, I don't know about the specifics of that. What I would do is, um, I, as I don't know about the specifics of your particular municipality is what I'm saying. But what I would do is I would break the gun prior to bringing it in. Dismant- not just dismantle the weapon, but disable the weapon somehow. If you got a vice at home, bend the barrel, do something so a cop just can't, ah, free gun. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because if you really want it out of circulation, and I'm not advocating you do that, I'm just, if this is your decision to do it, then uh, you don't want somebody else to just have a gun. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A lot of municipalities, especially here, like here in L.A., they, they absolutely they have gun surrender programs where you can just bring it in, and they'll even give you like a hundred dollar gift card to you know probably some shitty restaurant or whatever, but or Amazon gift card or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, probably not in your rural neck of the woods. I, 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 if that's what it says there, to contact your local um, municipality relative to like the city. Then do that. But I, I might even start at the state police and see what they would do. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that's for sure the way to do it. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Tom. We appreciate it. Do not put an ad on Craigslist saying that you're <laughs> wanting to surrender your gun. Right. Someone will come get it and probably not a person you want to have it. Yeah, it'd be like selling a futon where they just like pick it up and go to walk away without paying the price. Uh-huh. And then they go and they do harm with it. That is right. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Yes. But your heart's in the right place, Tom. Yes. That's uh, it's a... It's it's a good sentiment. Well, we, we appreciate. I'd it. be interested actually to hear from listeners who have surrendered their weapons, if that's the case, um, just to know what that process was like for yeah. someone who's gone through it. And Tom, if you decide to do this, yeah, definitely call back, definitely write back, absolutely, and let us know how it went, so it could be instructive for future future individuals who are listening. Yes. All right. Uh, let's get to a voicemail. Hi, my name's Josh. Uh, I'm a huge fan of your show. Uh, love both of y'all. Um, and after listening to episode 533, uh, the other thing I kind of want to talk about is like the people who, um, maintain that they're going to own and keep their guns because the gov- in case the government comes for them, they're going to rise up. Now, I've served in the military for some time and my understanding of how things work there might, might be with coloredness. I, I could be wrong. I mean, I wasn't like, uh, Captain America or anything like that, but I did see the technology that we have versus technology that the civilians have, and you know, usually my my response to somebody who says, "Um, government tries to take my guns, we're going to rise up and blah blah blah," is hellfire missiles, drones. You know, those are my words. It's like kind of leave it, you know, kind of thing, leaving this here because I don't think. That's something that we're going to be able to fight against. So the argument is meaningless to me and, you know, doesn't justify the cost of, of, of what, what's being paid now. And the greater cost of how it expands out towards people who just weren't there but weren't related to the people that were at these mass shootings and stuff. And like, I get the anger. I'm so angry sometimes about it. And then other times it's just like this, because it's happened so much, this is vast. Empty gulf of just numbness. So, I, it, it sucks. And every so often I have to kind of just watch like the video from the dodo to make myself feel better about humanity or something like that. Anyway, uh, love you guys. You guys are, um, Brittany's the best part of the show, but yeah, you fan. 
Jesse, too. So y'all take care. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Uh, I agree a hundred. I mean, obviously, I agree a hundred percent, Kathy. Um, <laughs> that if if you are if you are out there and you're thinking, ah, but rise up against the government, everybody, it's gonna be a bloodbath when they come to try to take my guns. Ah, you're right, it is gonna be a fucking bloodbath, but <laughs> but it's not gonna be the soldiers or marines or or whatever military personnel that you suspect is going to come and take your guns. If that were to happen. And we have laws in place in this country where the military isn't going to take your shit. Google posse comitatus. Um, it's not going to go down your way if you have an AR-15 or 10 AR-15s. When I, when I was in the field one time in the Marine Corps with a buddy of mine, we were being lazy and we were hiding in a grove of trees... Just re- just relaxing as much as we could on a training <laughs> exercise. And a helicopter flew over. Uh-oh. It's fucking pitch black. Dark. Cloud cover. North Carolina. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't think I've even ever told you this story. My buddy Juan and I. And uh, <laughs> a helicopter flew over and hovered. And uh, somebody came over the radio. We had a radio with us and said, hey, what are you doing? They knew we were there. Mm. Not just they had not just night vision. They had thermo. There's like the technology is bananas. Yeah. They know you're not going to be able to get away with just having a I've got my stash of handguns. You're going to be decimated by the force of the United States military. Get the fuck out of here with that nonsense. Well, did you hear um, Lindsey Graham today defended um, the idea that he needs an AR-15 and he, mm. gave, he gave the reason why he needs one? Um, he said, here's a scenario that I think is real. There's a hurricane, a natural disaster, no power, no cops, no anything. Do you see where this is going? Yeah, you don't need an AR-15 guy. You <laughs> he- need something for close... You need a shotgun is what you need for like home security. A reporter then asked if he meant looters. And he says, quote, yeah, people, they're not going to come to the AR-15 home. Well, I think if you show up on the porch with an AR-15, they'll probably go down the street. Right. Intimidating individual, Lindsey Graham. I don't even know if Lindsey Graham is intimidating with a firearm. With an AR-15. Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of here. I I was trying to make a reference to that movie where like there's no laws for 24 hours, but I don't care about it enough to even know purge. the name of it. Oh, The Purge. That's the purge. right. Yes. Yeah. Um, he's like going all purge on us. The only purge I've ever seen is the Rick and Morty episode. <laughs> he's like, here's a scenario for you. The purge happens. You need an AR-15. Okay. Right. You can't accomplish it with any other any other kind of uh, firearm, and I'm mm-hmm. not even just excluding firearms. Mm-hmm. Like I said, a shotgun is going to do better in a close quarter kind of a situation because it's a spread. Anyway, get the fuck out of here, Lindsey Graham. Thank you for um, the call, Josh. We appreciate it very much. Uh, let's move on. We got a couple more calls. Three, in fact, um, David, Kentucky. Hey, Jesse, Brittany. This is David Jordan from Louisville, Kentucky. Being from Kentucky, I hear you about wanting to, uh, needing to stand up and do something about Mitch McConnell. 
the podcast Embedded has a five-part series on his history of how he got up into politics, starting with uh, butting up with popular kids because he's not very charismatic, and then a little bit of lying here and there, uh, but also supporting things that are known health risks despite them being popular in Kentucky, like tobacco and coal. Uh, later, with Citizens United, he doesn't really need that so much, but I think he still does it, obviously. And I guess this is just me rambling about he's super well-funded now. He knows how to get money, and he knows apparently how to win despite being incredibly unpopular. Uh, Embedded talks about he's likely going to be budding, locking arms with Trump so he can bring up his support, his popularity. Uh, and I obviously want to do that, uh, do something to change that, being in this state as of late, uh, two years now. But it's a little politically paralyzing. <laughs> because he has won several times despite being unpopular, and he's going to be throwing a whole lot of fucking money at it. And this isn't an excuse to not try. This is just uh, me looking at it and saying, God damn. <laughs> like, it's, it can be rough and it's risky, I guess, or I don't know. Uh, so I just want to mention that I hear you there, and I do want to try and get into that and try to make a difference there. Uh, on the other side, on the weapons side, Unlike you, I didn't take a media break. I shared several things about my feelings on the current issues. Uh, and at some point, I'm going to share a story that I'll share here now. Uh, when I was living in a nicer part of town, uh, Highlands in Louisville, there was a couple who took evening walks, an older couple. Uh, the man carried. One evening, they were, uh, they were mugged by a couple of young guys uh, at gunpoint. He could have given his wallet to the uh, whatever mugger was there, uh, but he decided to pull his weapon. He was shot and his wife was shot. Now, apparently, he got a shot off on that on the mugger, but that's not really worth it. Like, they're both dead now. Uh, despite him being, you know, the good guy with the gun... It didn't, it didn't make that much of a difference. Maybe that mugger got caught, uh, because he had a bullet wound and I assume had to go to a hospital. Uh, but it doesn't matter if he did, like, that's not worth it. Uh, with the shooting in Texas, like, what's the carry rate in Texas? How many people have there had some kind of firearm and didn't let, didn't stop that person? So, that's obviously frustrating. I just agree that something's got to change. And if people think this is the cost of freedom, then I can accept that honesty at least, but I can't accept that decision. Not a super positive uh, voicemail, but I just want to thank you guys for talking about it and helping us process through this. Really do appreciate it. Uh, thanks for your time. Bye. Well, and we appreciate your honesty, right? We don't always have to be uplifting and um, happy. Right? Yeah. That's the reality of life. Um, but I appreciate the 
conversation surrounding people who believe that they um, are or will be Jason Bourne in these kinds of situations. Yeah, for sure. That simply having a gun um, in their possession during one of these moments will imbue them with the superpower of... Being able like to respond, a Navy SEAL or Isra- Israeli Mossad or something. Yeah, I mean, please. Um, many people. Well, it's difficult to train for these kinds of situations, right? Yeah. Um, you're gonna have an adrenaline rush. Your life is under threat. Um, other people's lives are under threat, and not a lot of people have been in those situations. Well, not only that. That very thing affects people differently. Absolutely, adrenaline is. Some people shake uncontrollably, right? With with an adre- with a fight or flight response, right? Some people are able to calm themselves and become laser focused. Yeah, and but that's that's not that's not common. It's very rare for that to happen. It's actually very common to lose control. Yeah, and it can also differ just because you've had the experience doesn't mean that you are somehow uh, better able to calm yourself and be laser focused. It it could go either way, right? I'm both ways. My, my, you've seen situations we've had with the screaming lady we talked about maybe 150 episodes ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I shake Mm -hmm. my, I get. Like I'm having, like I'm sh- shivering, mm-hmm. but I'm, but my mind calms and I get, I take action. Mm-hmm. But I have the physiological, like my hands go numb, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, and I, I've been trained. I, you know, I'm not just some person who thinks, oh, I got a gun, I can take care of biz. Yeah, and I have trauma in my background. I've been held at gunpoint. I, you know, I have these experiences and I don't assume that I would be super great. Yeah. Okay, because you never know. Okay, just be- just because you've experienced something doesn't mean that you're ready for it to come again. Yeah. Now, I don't get I don't get as freaked out by certain things that have happened in public. Like I've witnessed fights in public and I've been around friends that were like, Oh my God, we need to get out of here. And I'm like, well, this is kind of entertaining. Um, (laughs) uh, So it really depends, you know, but I I just hope that people stop deluding themselves about what their possible reaction would be in the situation because you just don't know. You just don't. And even if you've been in a similar traumatic situation, you don't know that you'll react the same way or that it will have you better prepared to to be super focused and take aim and save the day. You know, um, I will say that there was an armed um, off-duty firefighter, I believe, who stopped that. Springfield, Missouri. Yeah. yeah. The, the guy who was armed. Um, Yesterday. Yeah. Who went into Walmart and um, he held him at gunpoint until the cops came. And this this little dipshit was also had his phone out, I don't know if you read this, and was filming people's reaction to him. Mm. So I don't know if he was just a rabble rouser or he's has other mental issues mm-hmm. um, or he's, I, I don't know. But it's definitely get the fuck out of here. You shouldn't be able to just open carry strapped onto your goddamn back a weapon of war mm-hmm. and walk through a grocery store shopping. Yeah, so I'm, but I'm highlighting that that story because I think the people who are good guy with a gun happy 
um, that they always accuse left wing media of ignoring instances where someone with a gun has done something useful in one of those situations. But the thing is, it's so rare. Okay. It is rare. (laughs) It's very rare. Think about the past five, 10, however many cases we've had. When has there been the good guy with the gun who saved the day with the cape on? Mm -hmm. It's rare. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for the call. We appreciate it, David. Uh, Let's move on. Ken. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. My name is Ken. I'm from New Jersey, although recently I had to move to the South, so I'm in the trenches. Uh, Yeah, Jesse, I had the call. Um, Most of my life, I've been off the grid, couldn't afford a computer, had a flip phone. Uh, About three years into Trump presidency, my boss required everybody to get iPhones, so I jumped on YouTube and went headfirst into the rabbit hole and got my head all spun around. But I could notice that, you know, there were, uh, you know, videos from the right, videos from the left. And, um, you know, I could see what was going on. And I've always had leanings to the left. I'll say I'm a left moderate. Um, but something that bothered me was uh, a couple of these guys were military and used the word um, patriot a lot. And, you know, I started to feel, you know, I have a tremendous respect for the men and women in the military. And I was like, am I, am I on the wrong side? What am I, you know, do I not love my country? Thank God I found your YouTube, Jesse, to see a guy in the military that talks eloquently, precisely, very knowledgeable, um, you know, survived, uh, uh, right-wing, radical, religious family. It was a godsend. And then I find the two of you on your podcast, Brittany's perfect ying to your yang. So I didn't call uh, to gush over you guys. The reason why I'm calling was is that uh, in an episode recently, you guys, I'm um, paraphrasing, you were questioning, should we go on and on about Donald Trump? He does this, he does that. And I've been meaning to call, and every week there's something different. And I just listened to your cast about the El Paso and Daytona shootings. Um, I'm calling to say that I need you guys to continue what you're doing. Your fans need you guys. Your country needs you guys. You, you are passionate. I've noticed when the right wing speaks, about, you know, these guys, the Republicans and Rush Limbaugh, Donald Trump says whatever he wants, whenever he wants, these guys twist themselves into pretzels trying to spin it, and it sounds like they're all, were at the same meeting and said, this is what we're going to say, because they say it all right from the script. And people on the left, especially you guys, you speak from your heart. You seem like people that I would love to sit down and break bread with and and just talk about things with care. Jesse, you were overwhelmed, and you too, Brittany, you were overwhelmed. But um, I didn't call just to gush over you guys. I did call to inspire you guys to continue your work. I do believe that Donald Trump is purposely trying to radicalize a certain segment of this country, um, and I think it even goes beyond... Um, people in poverty and uneducated people um 
I think it goes as far as people that are actually happy about what has happened in El Paso and Daytona. And I believe it's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, so we need people like you guys uh, to continue to inspire and uplift um, uh, normal human beings in this country. Um, so thank you guys. Continue your work. And as usual, I'm the best part. <laughs> wow. That is fucking bold. All right, Ken. <laughs> First time caller. Best part of the show. Yeah, if I could ride away. There you go. <laughs> well, we appreciate that, Ken. Thank you for all of the love and the support. And and by the way, we don't mind you gushing no, over us. No, we That's love that. Good time. That's what we need. <laughs> Sometimes we do need that. But I, I want to say we've actually heard from a lot of people that we don't normally hear from. Yeah. And that, I love that. that has been fantastic. I mean, I love all the, the regular cast of characters, Absolutely. but goddamn. I love new blood. Yeah, we know so many people are out there listening silently, which is okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, but we definitely love to hear from listeners that we haven't heard from before. So we hope that uh, if you are in that position, you are silently listening out there, that someday you feel the need to call. And one thing that may help you with that is if you put the number into your phone, because yes. then when you get fired up, you're feeling a little down. You're feeling like you want to send us some compliments, whatever it might be. <laughs> you want to gush a little bit. Um, 657-464-7609. Or you can send a voice memo to idoubtit at dollamore.com. But really, you should just create a contact in your phone. I doubt it with Dollamore podcast. Put the phone number in there, the email in there so that you can fire off a letter, a voicemail, whatever it might be, whenever you feel like it. Yes. Let me, let me say this to Ken. And this leads us perfectly into the next call from Team Ian in Washington, D.C., kind of our resident graduate student expert studier of white nationalism and white extremism. Ken is right that Donald Trump is trying to radicalize a certain section, a certain portion, a certain segment of our population in this country. And that is white nationalism. That is white supremacy. That is racists. That is people who pine for a race war, as they say. KKK types, neo-Nazis, neo-fascists, neo-Confederates, whatever the fuck you want to call them, they are dangerous. They are separatists. These are militia types. These are people who have a fundamental misunderstanding of our Constitution. And Donald Trump is trying to manipulate them because they are the fundamental of his base, the base that remains. Ken, you're right about that, Ken. And I think it leads us perfectly into our final voicemail of the day from, again, friend of the show, multiple guest of the show, at Team Ian on the Twitter. Hey, guys. It's uh, 
uh, tune in. Um, I just listened to your Waco shooting episode. Um, I wish I was experiencing more of the sadness that Jesse is, because right now I'm just pure line shaking rage. Um, and also I'm very jealous that you're able to take some time off social media. Um, just want to make two quick comments you guys have touched on. And this all relates back to what we've talked about on a couple occasions now, that um, this is the this is the terrorism that that we're seeing. Um, there are a couple there are a couple tropes you're going to hear that need to be ignored and fought against vociferously. One, the idea of these being lone wolf attacks. That's horseshit. These people talk to each other. Brittany knows that probably better than anyone. They're, these people are in contact. They go on each other's podcast. They address it. You know, Pittsburgh is connected to Christchurch. is connected to this. Don't let anyone fucking say otherwise. I mean, this is this is shit right out of the Turner Diaries, right? And the second thing too is, don't let anyone try to, to be like, well, the, the sole responsibility lies with the killers. Well, that's ultimately true. We need to keep shouting from the rooftop that these people, if not in terms of tactics, certainly goals, share them with people like Ben Shapiro and Tucker Carlson and fucking Trump. Uh, and are spurred on by it. You know, there are bigger discussions and I can make more academic points, but I know you guys agree with the stuff, but and I don't. I'm kind of instead of raging into the wind, I'll I'll rage into your telephone. That seems slightly more productive. I hope you guys, you know, I hope you guys are well. All right, bye. Well, thank you, Ian. We always appreciate hearing from you, of course. And if you are a new listener and you haven't listened to those bonus episodes with Ian, you can go to dollarmore.com and search for um, Team Ian. Team Ian. And you will find those bonus episodes where we talk about all the good and exciting things, including not so many good and exciting things. Um, <laughs> yeah, no shit. Um, I always feel it's it's weird podcasts because... People have been with us from the first episode, but also people can join us like right now. Yeah. People, this could be the first episode that people listen to. And the evolution of ideologies. Yeah. But also like missing things that we've talked about in the past, you know. So when Ian shoots off a casual reference about how I know about like oh, yeah, how yeah, well yeah. connected white supremacists are better than anybody. <laughs> Um, without context, without context, it doesn't sound great. Is what I'm well, saying. Well, for those who don't know, um, mm-hmm. Brittany was raised in a white supremacist household. Yes, and has since obviously escaped that ideology. Has gone on to get a master's of science in clinical psychology, and is a loving, decent human being with a progressive outlook in politics. Do I need to keep selling you? I mean. 
but you were raised in, I always say hashtag raised by wolves mm -hmm. because you were raised by fucking terrible people with terrible ideas who treated you terribly. It wasn't great. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Yes. I was making a joke about it, but you oh. really made it, brought it into well, kind of a serious thing. Well, there's probably a thing. lot of listeners who don't know. Yeah. And I, I wish that there was a way for me to like illustrate it more directly from people, but it's kind of this difficult thing for me where once I, for example, put up childhood photos of like me as a child holding my baby sister in front of a swastika flag in our garage. Yeah. Um, then that's going to be out on the internet for forever and anyone can save it to their phone and anyone can use it in any way that they might. There's no context to it yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. And I just don't have control over it once it's out there. And so while I have wanted to, open up more and be more transparent about it and share some of the stuff. Cause I have, I have really alarming and horrific photos from my childhood home of like racist drawings that were on the punching bag in the garage. Yeah, and, yeah. um, I mean me and my younger uh, siblings giving the salute, uh, with, people at Aryan Nations. Um, like the famous Aryan Nations in Northern Idaho. Yeah. So, I mean, I yeah. have I have these records, right, um, for people who may not believe it. But I, I can't, like, put it out there. You know I, what I mean? Listen, I'm with you. I mean, I would love for uh, you to finish all the writing that you've done. But I, I think it's wise. I think it's, it's, um, it's smart. Yeah, and even with the writing, I struggle with all that, too, because... It's just tough because once it's out there, it's out there, yeah. you know, and, and there are still things that I haven't shared about my past. Um, Lots. Yeah, a lot <laughs> that. And again, it's for the same reasons, because once it's out there, it's out there. And that is a very intimidating and daunting thought. And I have so much admiration for people who come forward and share their stories and are completely open about it and transparent. Um, I hope one day I'm there. Um, I think also some of the reasons that I'm not are related to my career and complications that that, uh, you know, complications that exist there with, with being transparent. But or that you think may exist. Yeah, that people tell me you're mostly in my head. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those people. But we're not, um, not going to get into that here. Yeah, but um, I just wanted to bring that up because it is it is a strange thing about podcasting where every time we clarify a statement, the people that have been with us for a long time are probably like, yeah, yeah, we get it. But the people who are just joining us are probably like, wait a minute, what's going on here? I right. haven't heard about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's it's difficult trying to play to to both. And the audience grows at a, at a pretty good clip every single week, every single month. Right. I mean, we're we're gaining ten thousand subscribers on YouTube every month. Yeah. And then that adds a you know a, a trickle effect to the podcast. So absolutely, a lot of people don't know. Yes. Yeah. So you're you're. Pretty fucking fantastic, Brittany Page. Your, your story is uh, remarkable. And people are going to gobble that up when you end up writing that book. Finishing the book you've started to... Finishing whatever you've started to write. <laughs> well, you are awesome too, Jesse D. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. I am pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're going to end it there. Listen, I had plans for talking about Trump showing up at the hospital in El Paso. 
I had plans to talk about Tucker Carlson denying the existence of white supremacy as a problem in America. And I've got all those clips. And we're going to talk about that next time, whether that be Monday. Because this weekend, everybody, is the the the, the first weekend we're going to be back into a dedicated I Doubt It with Dollamore, Jesse Dollamore YouTube studio. So that's where we'll leave you. We, we have a lot of new Patreon uh, supporters that we're going to list next episode, not this episode, uh, because this I, I wanted this just to be just like last episode. I didn't want that to be about, you know, um, hawking for more support of the show on Patreon, just like here. I'd rather just, we'll talk about that. We'll go back to kind of normal next time. There were so many people who had so much to say. I wanted to highlight those views. I wanted to platform those emotions and those feelings. Brittany was very passionate about giving space to the emotions, to the venting, to, I, I don't know, what are, the, what are the words? Processing. To processing. That's right. Mm-hmm. See, I'm the dumb guy. Brittany Page is the expert. All right. So we'll we'll get back to if you gave on Patreon and you're a new supporter, listen for your name next time. It's gonna be awesome. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Um, we'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore. This has been I Doubt. What the fuck? Control your emotions and love of sandwiches. 